Welcome back, guys. It's been a while, I know, but we're back with the Players Experience Podcast. I'm happy to welcome you in our first guest of the new season, former speed skater for Team Canada, Denny Morrison. Denny talks about what it was like with his career as a speed skater, what it was like to also go through a couple horrific accidents, including a motorcycle accident, suffering a stroke, and really getting back on the horse to compete at the 2018 Winter Olympics. Before we bring Denny onto the show, we just want to give a shout out to all of our sponsors for all their hard work and dedication uh, for the show, including our videography and photography team. Uh, So make sure to check them all out. Uh, Also, guys, if you haven't done it yet, make sure to follow us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Hit that follow, hit that bell, so you know when more episodes are going to come out. Let us know what you think in the comments of the show, and we will look forward to hearing from you. Now, without further ado, let's bring Denny on the show, and we'll talk about his speed skating career. Hey, Denny, how's it going, man? Good, how are you doing? Good, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show. How has your summer been? It's been busy, man, just like uh, ever since we met at Motion Ball, and then since then, go, go, go. And uh, yeah, like I mentioned, the big news for me was that between then and now, I was accepted to med school, and that's why I moved to Edmonton since we first met. Uh, From Calgary to Edmonton, relocated, and starting med school literally tomorrow at University of Ottawa. Awesome, congrats, that's a huge accomplishment. How excited are you? Oh, I couldn't be more excited. It's, uh, I mean, we'll get into some of the details of my past in sport, I guess. But um, in my mind, it compares to, I think, the first time I qualified for the Olympics, basically, where I was like, I don't know what's going to happen there, but um, stoked to be this far along the journey and and looking forward to doing my best uh, as we move forward. That's great. Well, hey, at least it wasn't too much of a travel uh, journey for you going from Calgary to Edmonton. Yeah, no kidding. I, uh, I stopped applying uh, in Ontario and stuff because I didn't want to move that far. So. Yeah. <laughs> now, who? Here's the biggest question: Being from Calgary for most of your life, who are you going to cheer for now for the Flames or Oilers? We'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I moved to Calgary in 2003, which was that season in 2004. Which, if anyone's a hockey fan, will know that you know the Flames were robbed of the of the cup. Uh, so that was my first like experience with really being immersed in a city. Uh, in an NHL hockey city. And uh and so I jumped right on that bandwagon. I wrote it out. And uh now that I'm at Edmonton, I don't know. We'll see how well the city does. And um I don't think I'll deny that I'm a bandwagon jumper for pretty much any Canadian team that makes it the furthest in the playoffs. Preferably Canadian, preferably from my home province and preferably from the city that I that I'm residing in, right? So yeah. Um, I'll cheer for I'll cheer for uh for both, to be honest. I'm like I don't know, I'm not too into the rivalry, but what I could do is I could wear my flames jersey to the Edmonton Stadium. When I, if I watch games here and yeah. then where like maybe I'll buy an Edmonton jersey and wear it to the Flames Stadium if I go watch in Calgary. So there you Just go. Get under people's skin. Yeah. <laughs> now talking about like the topic of ice and everything, your career has been living on the ice. Where did the passion for speed skating really start for you? Well, I started speed skating when I was super young. Um it's kind of an interesting story. My parents moved to this small town called Chetwin, BC. It's way up in northern BC. And um, I think one of my parents' neighbors had started a speed sitting club and just suggested to my parents that they put my brother and my sister and I into speed sitting just to learn to skate. And so that's sort of where it started. And then when I was, that's when I was three years old. And when I was uh, four, I moved to Fort St. John, where it has a bigger speed sitting club uh, with an outdoor long track ice surface. 
And because my brother and sister were in it, and I'm the third uh, child and the youngest child in the family, I wanted to do whatever they were doing, right? And so I started out just kind of chasing them the whole way up. And the longer my 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 dad would ask me sort of every year, do you want to keep speed skating or do you want to try hockey? Because I think you could be really good at hockey, right? And, it, you know, northern BC, Canadian, small towns, it's, they're hockey towns. But I think because my brother was in it, I kept chasing him and he would break a provincial record. Then I'd try to break that provincial record two years later because I'd be like one age class below him. So I'm always... Um, he helped me set uh, goals for myself in that way. I always wanted to be as fast as he was when I was, you know, as old as him, right? And um, so sometimes he would set a Canadian record. Oh, that was really cool. Now I want to set Canadian records and try to catch him in that way. And then he made Junior Worlds in 2001. And then in 2003, I made Junior Worlds. And I traveled to Japan with him um, for my first Junior Worlds and his third Junior Worlds. Um, and so that was a really cool, um, just like a natural way, like I said, for, you know, he set the bar and I just kept trying to chase that bar that he would set. And... Um, and then he made World Cups and moved to Calgary to join the national team. And so then I followed his in his footsteps and moved to Calgary after graduating, joined the national team. And yeah, so where the passion started exactly precisely is um, unknown, but I know that I think it started with my brother being involved in the sport and me chasing my brother and uh, that sibling rivalry, perhaps. That and also like the good old saying, monkey see, monkey do, right? You want to do whatever your family's doing and run with it. Yeah, exactly. Now, talking about those records, uh, we'll talk about like the different competitions that you got into and some of your uh, more stellar accomplishments. But talking about those accomplishments and those records, you set a bunch of personal and world records for speed skating uh, throughout your career. And some of them are still standing today. What's it? What's the feeling like for you to really know that your records are still standing in the record books today and that you were accomplished like part of it? Yeah, I mean, my ego loves that, right? But um, but ultimately, it's, you know, records are made to be broken. And like I say, with my brother breaking records often two years ahead of me, and then me coming and getting them, I just assumed there'd be another person coming two years behind me and breaking them. And many of my junior records, uh, I think there might be one or two that still stand, but ultimately, a lot of records are made to be broken because the sport and the technology advances. So records literally are made to be broken. And as I was developing, you know, there was fast suits coming out and clap skates were sort of the new thing. And so it, in, a, in some ways, it made it easy for me to break records. But um, since then, a lot of those records have fallen to other up and coming athletes who are uh, really doing great and have a huge future in the sport. And um, I know that, um, I don't know, like, uh, what's a good example? Like Jeremy Weatherspoon broke the 500 meter world record the same year that I broke the 1500 meter world record um and his was broken um his world record was broken like maybe uh, maybe five years later like it stood for a long time for that world record and mine was broken maybe less than a year later right but my canadian record still stands but a canadian has also broken his canadian record in the 500 so it's sort of like you know it depends how you interpret the data and ultimately um like i say records are made to be broken i want to see the the future of the canadian team continue to um excel in the sport of speed skating and to excel in the sport of speed skating is going to require breaking my Canadian record first so that they can go on and break the world records um, to come so um I don't want to make it it's kind of bittersweet right like my ego likes that I'm hanging on to that Canadian record but ultimately I I'm cheering on those guys um to go out and smash them because those guys I know I know a lot of the skaters on the team now and they have big goals and all the potential in the world to um you know leave my leave my Canadian record in the dust as they pursue the world records uh, in those instances so that's sort of how I, I look at that 
No, that's great. And that's honestly like the best mentality you love. Like you said, you love seeing your name up there, but at the end of the day, you want to see the sport succeed and excel. Right. So and here in Canada, especially with, you know, the young up and coming guys that I sort of followed all their careers since they were, you know, teenagers and now they're Olympians and now they're national team. And, and like I say, they have the potential to, to be world champions. So um, I want to see them achieve that potential. Now, talking about all the accomplishments and trying to get into the World Championships and, and the Olympics, between your Olympic appearances as well as your World Single Distance Championships, you've taken home three gold medals, eight silver medals, and four bronze. Between those two major championships and, and games, which appearance were you more excited about attending, the Olympics or the World Single Distance Championships? Well, I think the answer is obviously the Olympics because that's like the big one that everyone watches. Um, and what I always tell people is that between every Olympics, every four years, there's the world championships every other year, which is basically in sport of speed skating. It's the world championships is the Olympics for our sport on a non-Olympic year. And so, um, yeah, so I've never won Olympic gold medal in, in an individual event in my sport. Um, I won my gold in the team pursuit, but, um, but I was world champion in the 1500 meters twice, once in 2008 and once in 2012. And those were like some, definitely some of the highlights of my career, right? So um, it's hard to, you know, I don't want to take anything away from how much I'm proud and how much I value those achievements in my career. But at the same time, the Olympics are the Olympics. And so um, like the silver and the bronze and the story that I have behind those medals in the Sochi Olymp Games in 2014, um, I think those memories trump pretty much every other speed memory I have. <laughs> No, and honestly, that makes sense. Like with me being in the Special Olympics, it's the same kind of levels. Like we have provincial, nationals, and worlds, and worlds is our like our Olympics. And so, eventually, I'm hoping to get to a World Games. I've been to two national games now, and so uh, we're getting there. We're almost at the striving point. But uh, I definitely know where you where where you're coming from when you say about the Olympics versus the uh, World Championships. Well, it's like the Olympics is the pinnacle of sport, right? And that's where. You know, that's where the focus is. That's where the fandom is or whatever. And that's where we want to perform our best at that time, especially. So in speaking, we even talk about uh, quadrennials. So they every four years. So we have a like a, you know, the training um, like peak and then taper and then competition sort of uh, taper every single season. So you go like first season, it might go like this. Second season, a little higher. Third season, a little higher. And then Olympic season, we try to like really ramp up the taper and the peak for that maximum performance our best potential performance for every single athlete individually at the olympics and that's why you see you know some of those olympic records and, and world records broken at the same time at those olympics is because it's just made that much bigger of a deal of right and then the year following the games it's usually like kind of a calm down for a lot of the athletes who have been to those olympics and uh need, need some time to like recuperate um from other not just the physical but the mental energy that goes into really maximizing performance um in that that once every four year opportunity right now talking about maximizing that performance what's the mindset like for preparing for a race that's 500 meters compared to 10,000 meters and what's the routine like for you when during your career you were prepping or or what's like the mindset of an athlete today going through the speed skating routines trying to get ready for that race yeah i mean it's so specific to the race and for instance like uh, Laurent de Brule or, or Gil Jr. will have a slightly different warm-up routine than me um, because I'm so I'm a middle distance skater and one of those guys are 500 meter skaters and then 
guys like Graham Fish and Tedion Blauman are 10,000 meter skaters, right? And so the warm up is is quite a bit different for each of those distances, just because of the the length and the nature of the race and the physiology. I guess it's required um, within each race. Gotcha. But I know for me, for a lot of because I was middle distance, I would go to World Championships and I'd race 500, um, then 5K in the same day, and then the next day we'd do 1500 and 10K. So I would try to really have a like you say, routine is the key word there, right? I try to have a routine in my warm up and maybe just a little bit more explosive, like maybe one or two more jumps for the 500 meter race um, than for the 1500, and then one or two jumps less for the 10,000 meter race than I had for the 1500, and uh, more of a cardio based workout um, on the bike or something like that to open up my uh, cardiovascular system before a, a longer race. So that's kind of how I broke down the things. Ultimately, the routine, though, the whole point of the routine of the warm up for me was to get my head into the headspace for race time right and so when i think of routine the routine was you know to get myself um stimulated without being overstimulated and i would talk about like sort of the intensity the the excitement uh before racing it, it's kind of controlling that excitement and i always like to just release all that excitement as i went to the start line and they announced my name it's like okay i'm finally here it's time to go and this like that was the moment that you know doesn't matter if you're nervous at that point. Now it's like those nerves are all going to be that's energy that's going into my explosiveness, into my stride, and into my um, execution of the race plan. So the routine, as it were, is the routine of the pre race leads into the routine of the race plan, like I just talked about. So that, you know, when I wake up in the morning, the routine, the breakfast that I have before any race stays pretty much the same so that I'm, you know, I'm not feeling ill or off. And I would have a, I can almost pull it up to my phone, but I have a, I still have it saved. And I still use it for like exa big exams today, like the MCAT and my interviews for med school. I would uh, put it in like my phone, like, okay, here's when I'm setting my alarm, here's when I'm waking up, whatever, brush my teeth, like have breakfast, the morning routine. And then um, for speed sitting, it was like, okay, I'm going to bike to the oval, I'm going to shuttle to the oval, whatever. And I know how long that takes. And I'd break that down for pretty much from breakfast until race time on race day, or for, you know, at least from race time backwards three hours. Um, to know, you know, with, and, and within that routine, there's built-in buffers so that, um, so that I'm not too excited. I'm not, a lot of times before a race, I'm like, oh, I don't want to waste energy. I need to sit down. And it's like, oh, I don't want my legs to be too tired. I need to stand up and move around and just like, keep the blood flowing. And then you kind of get, <laughs> this is, maybe this is me, but I think it's a lot about these. You get into this mindset where you're like, sit down, stand up, sit down, sit up. Like, what do we do? What do we do? And then you kind of like end up in this fog of like, what do I do? Um, and so my routine or whatever that I would put on my, it was usually a piece of paper back in the day, uh, but I would just write out, you know, just relax. I'd put it on there, like chill. And I'd have like a 20 minute session to chill. And then if the races were moved back or forwards for whatever reason, I could, you know, change the length of that chill session <laughs> to just like match when I was racing. Uh, because everything in my routine led, leads up to tying my skates, putting on my skin suit, stepping on the ice for my pre-race warm-up. And then going to the line, and then that's when, you know, that intensity and that excitement gets to maximize. And the routine now leads into the routine of racing, which is the same as the routine of preparing to race and the routine of training, right? So sorry for that long-winded answer, but that's kind of how I try to make everything routine in my entire career, whether that was um, training, um, warming up, or racing. No, it's not a long-winded answer. It's nice. It's great to know the kind of in-depth side of things because, like you said, every athlete's going to have a different viewpoint on how their routines work, 
what works for them, what doesn't work for them. And you're 100% right. Me being a softball athlete, I'm always the same way running with running and hitting. It's like, okay, do I need to, how early should I warm up my arm? How early should I run? Like things like that. It's the same idea. So no, it's good to, it's neat to like hear that from different athletes and different perspectives of how they really get their bodies and minds in, in game ready performance. Right. Exactly. Right. And, and I'm sure it's the same for you to some degree. Like, I don't know. I, whenever an athlete like gets sick in training, I'm like, that's not because you're out of shape or it's because you ate at the wrong time, you know, like. And so like the, the routine, like, you know, knowing when I can eat or what I can eat at what time of day before I really put that performance out there. That's, uh, you know, that's why it's the routine, because that's what works for me. And for sure. routine might work for you, right? So that has to be individually dialed. Now, talking about routines and kind of getting ready for what comes at you fast, life can come at you fast. And I want to talk about a couple of experiences that you had personally outside of the sport. First, you suffered a fractured femur during a motorcycle accident in 2015 after you had won two silver medals at the World uh, Single Distance Championships, of which then just about just shy of a year later, you ended up having a stroke. From that recovery um, and through those uh, couple of years afterwards, in 2018, you then qualified to compete for Canada at the Winter Olympics. What was the feeling like for you to not only um, get like have that accident, have the stroke, but then get back on the horse, if you will, and really want to get back into that racing shape and um, and know that you competed for the Olympics and kind of just get your mind back into that that readiness. That's the whole thing is I wanted to get back there. Right. And I'm going to back up a little bit on my answer for this one and just talk a little bit about how. Yeah, you know, as, a, as Olympic champion in 2010, where as a as, as my home country Olympics, and it was in my home province where I grew up. I did lots of school visits and talks, and maybe to corporations and things too. But I would always tell all these kids like, never give up your dreams, you know, and and never quit, and 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 make no excuses and stuff like this. And the whole while, I mean, yeah, I had overcome like maybe a you know broken fibula one year in 2008. But like generally, I had this entire team of support staff on my team to help me perform this at the highest levels that I did perform at. Right. And so when push finally came to shove and I was in this motorcycle crash, uh, you know, you know, do, am I going to, am I going to walk the talk or am I just going to talk the talk? Right. It's so also I'm like, my dream was to go to 2018 for my fourth Olympics and qualify there. And, and I can, I think I can do it and make no excuses. Like this is, there's a lot of broken bones. There's a lot of uh, injuries to overcome, but I think I have time and I think I can make it back. And I want to show people that I'm true to my word, that I can, that we can make it back if we just focus on the goal, the small victories that it takes to get there. And there's going to be thousands of those small victories, whether that's like standing up out of my hospital bed the first time, walking for the first time, riding a bike the first time, of course, getting back on skates for the first time, and then re-strengthening my body back to um, what were once my, you know, my, my best lifts and things like that in the weight room. And so I had all these little goals set for myself all along the way. Um, and that's ultimately what got me back to compete in 2018. And that was, you know, that was the big victory for me. That was, I know I talked about 2014 and the individual Olympic medals that I won there as, as the highlights of my career. But in a lot of ways, for me personally, again, not as much maybe for a lot of media and things like that, but um, getting back uh, to those Olympics made me really you know i had to believe myself to do that but it made me believe that i wasn't a liar and telling other people you know you can you can do this just keep believing in yourself keep pushing forward focus on the process 
to celebrate the small victories along the way and you can achieve any goal you want to achieve if you just keep it all in check and keep moving forward and those are some great words really because you're right you like after you don't want to just be sitting on the sidelines and like have an injury and be like that's the end of my career that's it right you really want to strive in and do what you say you want to do and and really show everyone else that like hey a, an injury isn't going to like stop me from from competing or, or wanting to complete my dreams and things like that right mm-hmm. um i like just first thing that comes to mind talking about hot, like skating and 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 accidents is like you look at what happened with humble uh with the humble broncos and um with um the one hockey player ryan who was paralyzed and now he's been up and walking and he's doing the same thing and trying to get back on the hockey side of things and skating again right it's um that's just the first kind of thing that comes to mind that's a similar idea where it's like you want to try and achieve your dreams and and get back on back on the horse if you will um and really just show like there's no nothing that will stop you if you have the right mindset exactly and and even those words if you have the right mindset that's something that uh that ryan from the hubble team like you say he would have had you know we can talk we can tell his story here in 30 seconds and that's really easy for us to do and and, and celebrate but it's like he would have had massive amount like just reoccurring doubt reoccurring um disappointment and setbacks that you know and, and frustration and reoccurring you know the need for patience on this whole journey and and he did it you know what i mean and a lot of um and the reason i tell this story is because in orientation week last week for med school um we had a lady in a wheelchair come and talk about how important advocacy is for for those in wheelchairs for those with spinal injuries and things like that it absolutely inspired me because I felt in a lot of ways that sort of paralleled my my own story for patient advocacy, and and she talked about how so often doctors will tell a patient with a spinal injury, okay, you're never going to walk again, you're never going to drive again, you're never going to have kids, you're never going to have, and like they would just list off these things, and it's just like how do you mentally deal with that when you're, as Ryan just showed and and she showed, you're able to recover and you're able to continue taking these small like and i say small but it's like you know one pixel on our screen small steps forward and and ultimately we got a whole screen if we had a whole picture a bigger picture we never could have seen if we didn't take that one pixel at a time to uh to advance ourselves and and yeah that ryan would know better than me what that resilience looks like and it's um i talked a lot about grit in my career and it's the day-to-day ingredient of like okay today's gonna be hard you know and i'm gonna get through it and you wake up tomorrow and it's like you wake up the next day and it's like okay i got through yesterday today should be easy but it's like no no no. that's not like grit means it's a daily ingredient so yeah today's gonna be there's gonna be challenges today there's gonna be challenges today there's gonna be challenges today and on and on and on and you're just gonna keep overcoming those challenges and that's i think uh ryan like you mentioned his story is you know inspirational beyond words because that's an inspiration to me and i've never had a spinal but i'm sure um as this person spoke to our meds class it's like how do we motivate people to remain motivated right how do we encourage people to keep taking those pixel sized steps forward in rather than telling them that there's no hope right so hang on to hope was the big message that uh that a presenter yesterday had and that i that i want to 
commend Ryan on and and celebrate uh, and hopefully provide to my patients in the future if I end up in that stream of medicine where I can be a physiatrist and working with people uh, with, with spinal injuries and stroke survivors like myself. Not if, when you get yeah. into that field. Come on now. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> um, now, I like... I like to end off every uh, episode with a segment called Words of Wisdom. So what would your words of wisdom be to the next generation of speed skaters or advice to them on kind of just getting on there? Uh, I know we've talked a lot about motivational words and, and um, sections throughout this episode, but I, like, what would your closing remarks be to those uh, athletes watching that would want to continue? Um. I guess in context of this conversation, the best things I can say beyond hopefully the motivational aspects I've already talked about uh, for speed skaters specifically is, and I guess for male middle distance speed skaters like myself specifically is, you know, look at, look at records as if they're made to be broken as, 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 as a stepping stone towards the next goal. Right. So um, again, those are big celebrations, big victories along the way, but um don't look at it as out of reach for any reason, right? So, oh, and I, I don't think I need to tell a lot of the national team guys this, but young up and coming speed skaters, celebrate every single personal best, right? Celebrate if you can, at the start of the season, if you can stay low and strong in the speed skating position, which is, I don't know, if you show a video of, of a speed skater, it's quite an uncomfortable position. And a lot of speed skaters don't, and myself included, don't really feel comfortable staying in that position for longer than two minutes. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, if you get through the practices all summer long in the lowest position possible, that sets you up for the fat, the best season and the best possible chance of of personal bests. And personal bests, enough personal bests will add up. I see my record falling before that Olympic record falls shortly thereafter. So keep grinding, keep pushing hard, and, uh, and never get playing your dreams. Awesome. Well, Denny, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. It was great meeting you back in Calgary in May. Uh, and best of luck with med school and, and everything to come with it. Thanks so much, Ryan. Appreciate you having me on. All right. Take care.